I'm just not good at starting this sometimes. Oh, really? You think that maybe you're not very good at starting the podcast? Yep. Okay. Alright. On okay. that note, let's uh, start this podcast. Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast to escape the big sausage. My name is Terry Apollo, and this week we finally sat down and watched a movie that's been on our producer Kaya's uh, flick list for a long time. Yeah. Oh, Rocketeer. There you go, 1991's The Rocketeer. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised? Um, yes, and possibly more confused. Oh, okay. Why is that? So, as it's as you say, it's one of those ones that I'm like, eh, I gotta get around to that. Hmm. It's a Disney film that I haven't seen. Which is few. Yeah, I know, it's a very bizarre moment. Yeah. But... I only know about it because of seeing it at conventions. Mm. And then I, like, you know, eventually came to the realisation of, oh, that weird steampunk character is a Disney film. Mm. Yeah, the Rocketeers are... Why has it got, like, this silent nothingness of a cult? Yeah, it's weird. It's a very iconic-looking dude. Mm. Like, you know the Rocketeer when you see it. But that's the extent of it. Yeah. Yeah. And people are just like, oh, it's Rocketeer. And I'm like, this explains nothing. Mm. It's like when I first started going to conventions, everyone was Skyrim. Which I, I, I know what Skyrim is. Everything was Assassin's Creed. Well, I kind of I got the gist of it. I didn't play the first one or nothing. Um, Minecraft. That was it. If you didn't know one of those three things, they became iconic due to conventions. But that's the thing, like, Rocketeer isn't, you might have one person at every, like, at a con- at a convention that does it. Hmm. There's not, it's not like a big thing, but people will automatically be like, hey, it's Rocketeer. You know what and it is, like, and there's always yes, a least. Yes, it is. And there's always the least one. Wait. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the reason that I was like. You were like, we need to come up with a movie. And I'm like, well, I'm going to watch this podcast or no podcast. And yeah, you're like, all right, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, all right, you want to get into this? Let's rock it away. Great. So I say it's 1991's The Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. But its development cycle began in 1983. Not surprising. All right. So, when Dave Stevens sold the film rights to his character... Yep. Which I found fascinating, because Dave had only created the character a year prior to selling the rights. Um, it appeared in the backs of issues two and three of Star Slayer. Mm. You know, That's a good name for a comic. We've seen a lot of characters built in the back, like the fill-in part of the end of an issue. Yep. So, he was one of those. Um, but, get ready. Alright, check this complicated shit out. Star Slayer was created for DC Comics. Right. Okay. But never came out due to the implosion when they shit canned like 20 or so upcoming and ongoing series in the late 70s because this business was flopping. Yeah. So that was one of the ones that got taken out. So its creator, Mike Grell, took it to Pacific Comics. Okay. Where it did it it six issues, including the ones that featured the Rocketeer. Okay. So he was almost a DC character. Uh, Yeah. Which is... Because he's Disney, which is, you know, the Marvel banner now. They both have a D in them. Marvel. DC and Disney. 
I misunderstood really hard for a second. Clearly. Alright, so it did six issues, the yep. Star Slayer, before moving on to First Comics, which is another company. Ironically, the third outfit to have Star Slayer was First Comics. Yeah, that's a little bit bizarre. Perfect. It ended up at Acclaim Comics, by the way. That's where Star Slayer wraps up his career. Meanwhile, Rocketeer right. stayed at Pacific until a series that ended on a cliffhanger. The ending and reprints were handled by Eclipse Comics instead. The adventures continued for a two-hole issue with Comico Comics. Right. And the third issue of that miniseries was made by Dark Horse six years later. Wait, what? They did the two issues, and then they just never did anything, and six years later, Dark Horse is like, like, can we fucking finish that story? That's like six different... Labeled. Yep, and then what? finally in 2009, IDW collected all of it into, like, you know, omnibuses because now they yeah. have it. Uh, they released the whole series, and from 2011 onwards, IDW would continue to do, like, series and minis here and there. Okay. Thank yep. God IDW went to the effort to, like, we need to get, track all this down. Yeah. We, we need to put this in one place and make this not a complete hellscape. Yeah, he went through, like, five comic companies before finishing, like, three story arcs. That's nuts. That's not even, like, decent runs of comics. It's like, eh, issues there, two there, one over there. Mm. Like, why? I feel bad for Rocketeer as I research. Yeah. It's like the lost puppy of comic book history. It's good because it gives us something to actually talk about when it comes to him however at the same time that's just rude mm. so it's been a fucking journey for the guy alright uh but really earned his wings mm. but we're here for the movie version yep so we'll go back to 83 when when Dave was working on Dave Stevens was making the character okay alright he was originally doing a homage to the 1930s through 50s serial adventures. Yep. Um, it's the same sort of stuff that inspired Jack Kirby in our Captain America episode not that long ago. Mm-hmm. That very pulpy sci-fi, but looked a little steampunk just due to the age of it. You yeah, know, that, that well, sort they of didn't shit. know what like actual fabric was going to be. Yeah. Um, so he was looking into this sort of stuff, and he made his character named Cliff Secord. And he immediately saw this character as, like, a good film protagonist. Yeah. Like like a James Bond or what have you. I guess James Bond would be the only example at the time. Probably. Yeah. Because um, he sold it to 98, in 1983 to a guy named Steve Miner. Okay. One of the dudes behind the original Friday the 13th trilogy. Ah, that's why I don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. So, he took it too far off the reservation, so the rights reverted back to Dave Stevens. Right. I can't imagine the Friday the 13th Rocketeer. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Flying around. I want it to be an amalgamation. I just want Jason Voorhees to have a jetpack now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very interesting addition. Mm. So, two years later, Stevens gave the film rights to Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio. Okay. Alright. There's a lot of behind the scenes drama 
And it all stems from these three guys getting dunked on by the powers that be. Okay. Um, these two guys, like, they, they got it. Like, they understood the essence and the homage of what the Rocketeer is. Yeah. They, they saw this character as this old Art Deco hero stuff, you know, like what Incredibles aimed at or what Venture Bros does. Yeah. It's all that Golden Age inspiration stuff. Yeah. Um, which, which is what Dave Stevens wanted. So these two hung on literally until this film comes out. Yeah. So they started helping in 85. Same page. Okay. All right. Three of them, one page. Mm-hmm. The original plan, mm-hmm. which fit the homage stuff even more than just the comic itself, what, their original idea was a small black and white independent film really leaning into the old serial stuff. Okay. Um, it's an homage. I get behind that. I want you to Google image live on air a guy named Commando Cody. Okay. These were the serials that inspired the Rocketeer. Like, the design. and But it also inspired the ideas that these two guys were coming up with for the movie. Which yeah. I like that they were coming from the same place. Well, it's, it's helpful. Tell me it doesn't look like a crappy Rocketeer. Hang on. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Rocket head. Yeah, it's a much bigger helmet. Yes. It, it's funny. Um, listeners should Google this. Commander Cody looks like a bad, like high school costume day version of the Rocketeer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like his little commando uniform. Yeah, but, but that his, hat. his rocket man... No, no. I'm talking about, like, his run-around, I'm-a-normal-guy superhero one. Oh, yeah. Th- that looks much better than that. Yeah, his helmet looks like a gimp mask. It's... it's but it's big and plastic. It's real bad. Mm. Yep. So they went to a guy named William Deere to direct and co-write. Yep. Uh, this is when the idea got fleshed out and became too big for their little black and white idea. Um, it was this dude was good. He kept the the love and the comic bookiness of it, but he just he just took it to a larger level. Um, yeah. Which added, I mean is usually what you want from your like when you have an idea, you want it to be the best it can. Yeah. Um, he added things like a Hollywood setting and a big ass Nazi Zeppelin. Stuff that made it into the film. Yep. So this guy was there for most of this. Well, that's We'll great. get to that. I'm glad that we've got somewhat of a team for mm. me. Yeah, and then we get to watch, um, you know, the powers that be, the establishment, the corporations, the big wigs, slowly kick the shit out of these four people until a film kind of comes out and no one really cared. Yeah. Mm. So get ready to defend your house of mouse in another surprise propaganda episode by Toby Oh no! That's right, bitch. That's where we are. Oh, why, but, why do I still let you write these episodes? Ah, you're foolish. I need to go through and like edit them. I like that the, these four dudes now had been sitting on the big Nazi Zeppelin set piece for like seven years before it actually ends up on a screen. Isn't that cool? That they. They took the time. There's a lot of dedication to this. Similar to how I feel about the Alita movie. Yeah. As a really, like, from the heart adaptation. I feel like Rocketeer was that with a bit less power. 
it is a very interesting idea. Mm. And like you said with the convention stuff, they're very, it's a very beloved character. Yeah. Whether people may realize it or not, it is. But but that's the thing. It's a cool idea. Like it spans across different eras of geekdom. For like a lack of interesting way of putting it, yeah. It, you know, the movie is actually really pretty well done for what it is. Yeah, and keep in mind the time frame it came out too. Like the special effects aren't great, and that's and that's. But it's an old movie. But now. that's what I'm saying. Like, as a decom from the early '90s, it's pretty good. Hmm. And that's another thing about it, too, that shows how much people cared about it. These four guys were working on this for so long. Like, I say they'd been sitting on that idea for seven years. Yeah. That specific scene. But they were coming up with this idea before Tim Burton's Batman or a Dick Tracy or the Shadow or the Spirit were even a fucking idea yet. Yeah. You had Dick Donner's Superman, but that was like it. Yeah. And they were pushing for it. No, that's kind of cool. Yeah, they were, they were really trying to chart a course here, which is cool. But the problem, and the fact that they stuck to it, like mm. that's hard to do at any time. But and the problem with it being like some dedicated dudes a with an idea love. that hadn't been proven yet. No film companies wanted it. <laughs> no, um, yeah, they just had Superman, and we're just going to follow him up with. You know, like the superhero genre with a small time jetpack dude from the olden days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only company that kind of cared was Disney. Mm-hmm. Not for the movie itself, but for the toys and merchandise and that would come along with it. Yeah. Uh, frankly, Kyle, without slandering your Disney, it's a very foreshadowy quote by Dave Stevens during the behind the scenes of this movie. Mm-hmm. He said... Immediately, Betty and anything else adult went right out with the bathwater. They really tried to shoehorn it into a kiddie property so they could sell toys. All they really wanted at the end of the day was the name. Yeah, but we... It's very eerie to see that quote in the, like, early 90s. Yeah. Especially now they've got Marvel, Star Wars, the Muppets, to a lesser extent. But that's the thing. We... We've seen that happen. The whole Batman series, that was really the only reason they got picked up. Mm. Was because you could make a McDonald's Happy Meal out of it. Mm. Like, superheroes... That's what funded the Michael Schumacher movies of Batman. But but that's what I am saying, like... I just... It's super, just when I read that quote... The superhero world... <laughs> yeah. ...falls into the same thing as animation. It's for children. Mm. And that's not... Well, it's treated as such. That's why we lost the Batman animated series. It had a huge fan base. Its viewership was massive. Yeah. They weren't children, and it wasn't selling Robin action figures, and that's why the show got ruined. Um. Which sucks. Yeah, but that's, that's like... It's just when I saw his quote, I'm like, wow. He warned us so early on, man. We, we do have a lot of that happening at the moment, don't we? Especially when we look at Ralph Breaks the Internet and we just see it just bragging about how much Star Wars and Marvel it has now. Yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet's not a good movie. Mm. It's pretty sad. Yeah. So, so like I said, the behind the scenes of these, like, three, four 
you know, really passionate guys and the power's just not getting it. Like, Disney wanted to make it modernised because the 30s don't appeal to children. No. Because they weren't there. Yeah. But neither was the dude writing it as far as I could tell, which is, you know, it's fine. Um, Look, they argued that it wouldn't work and had to keep pointing out, like, over and over again, the box office that Indiana Jones made. Mm. That was their, like, only selling point to keep it all. yeah. It's true. This is a very successful movie. They've stood the test of time, except for the one time they tried to do it again. Mm. Um, Yeah, a matter of fact, right, in this five-year period of getting the film even greenlit, not to get it to film, but to just get it that they were allowed to start. Yeah. Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo were fired from the movie and brought back... Three times. Oh my god. They got sacked and they just couldn't find a replacement that cared or could quite understand it. So they kept having to hire back the first two guys. You guys can come in, but you have to promise not to be as in love with it this time. Oh damn it, you're in love with it again. It's it's so sad that, you know, we've got our four valiant heroes trying to fight for the Rocketeer. William Deere ended up having to be replaced by... um, Joe Johnston. He just... Yeah. He needed a paint job. I mean, I feel... I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, John Johnston's not a bad replacement, though. Yeah. Because he, he was eager to jump... Like, he was a fan of comics. So he was happy to jump in and help. Okay. Great. Um, And he obviously has a thing for old-timey superhero characters, because he was also the dude that they brought in to do Captain America the First Avenger. Yeah. I thought that you would like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all this fucking around rewrites, changing Betty Page out, as far as names go, because, you know, copyright. Yeah. Um, Errol Flynn's name, because it's probably wrong to claim a dude was a Nazi spy in your film. With all that stuff. Fine. Um, the movie finally got greenlit in 1990. Yay, we're making progress. We're to the point where we're allowed to make it. Ten years later. Mm. Um, and it sounded like the fighting with Disney never stopped. Like, Dave Stevens, I love this. He had to stay on set day and night, because when he wasn't around, weird changes would inexplicably happen to the ideas, designs, and the script. Mm. Um, one of these, Kyle. Yeah? I believe I complained to you about... Will Eisner, and I said he was... You started making noises, but then refused to talk to me about it. I think you wrote down a quote I had. Did I? Yeah. Okay. You did. Okay. Chill out. Edit this out. I'll meet you with a sock. I'm gonna have to go. I need to find where I'm... Oh, God. I wish either of us had, like, any improv skills whatsoever so we could just fill this airtime. Yeah. Um, it sounded like the fighting with Disney never stopped. Um, Dave Stevens had to stay on set night and day because when he wasn't around, changes would inexplicably happen to the scripts, ideas, and designs. Like, all of it. Right. I Like, I can imagine him sitting there with just a gun in one hand and a script in the other just rocking back and forth. It's like, they're trying to hurt my baby. <laughs> Yeah, you you may be you may be like this a little too much. Mm. Um, I mentioned some of the 
fuckery this guy was dealing with to Kaya without spoiling why. Right. Is, is this the quote that you sent me? Uh-huh. How the fuck are you two dog with that level of empty-headed bullshit? Your skull is full of cheap glitter gold coins and feces. Yes, I'm talking about Will Eisner. Look, I... Normally I didn't care because Eisner. I didn't like any Disney. Yeah. But I'm a part of the fuck Will Eisner bandwagon now. Yeah. I mean, welcome to the... I was going to say Menagerie, that ain't it. The Rebellion. He looked at the designs and the comic pages they had around the set when he was walking through being a cockhead. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, sure, the character looks iconic and fits the movie style really well, but what if we threw out the cool helmet and gave him just a NASA-style space helmet? That would have been way lame. I mean... I understand that he looks like a... We started this talking about how the Rocketeer is one of the most iconic things ever without anyone even knowing what it is. They know what the fuck it is. Yeah. What if we just make him look like a spaceman because I'm a fucking big jack-off? I, I hope that that's the whole reason that they put in the line of you look a bit like a hood ornament. No, I don't know if that's specific, but I know that's why Dave Stevens had to go and build the helmet himself with a sculptor buddy of his in a week... Because the guys funding the movie said, nah, be a spaceman. And they didn't fucking fund the design for the helmet. He went and did that himself. Because Will Eisner wanted him to look like a Tomorrowland extra. Nice. Scumbag. Look, we... Even Joe Johnson, the guy replacing the dude who cracked the shits and went home, was threatening to crack the shits and go home over this helmet. You know my feelings about the Eisners. Hmm. I'm not a fan of well, I'm, I'm in there. You don't have to argue them to me. I'm just, I'm baffled at that. Superman's great. Let's let's get rid of the costume and the powers. It's dumb. Underwear goes inside the pants. I, yeah, it's that, but on a fucking monumental level where we removed the S as well and the cape and the powers and just made him a pizza delivery man. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> I hate when pizza things... Time. No, no, pizza time's great. The song's catchy as fuck. <laughs> it's when people take another creator's, like, iconic shit and just refuse to get it. Ah, uh, all of DC Comics. I know. A lot of the New 52 did that. Let's unsexualize Power Girl, but whore the shit out of everyone else. Like, I don't understand that. Mm. But just... When they just clearly don't get it why don't they just get out of the way because they know it'll do better if you can see that people cared i don't know why that's not a thing it's big business has always been afraid of taking risks yeah and when disney changed over from being you know a family-run company and i'm not saying like when the disney's lost a lot of their footing which the Disney company has nothing to do with the Disney's anymore. Mm. They bought the name out. Look, and I've admitted but, but this before. When, when it stopped going from being a family company to being an enterprise, mm. it immediately stopped taking risks. But that was what How made... How often do I say that? that I don't like... that was what made Disney great. Yeah, I don't like Disney as a person. Was the fact that they were going out there and going, clearly this isn't working. How do we completely change it up? That's why things like Steamboat Willie, Snow White, like whether you like them or not, Fantasia even, whether you like those things or not, you have to sit there and be like, geez, 
someone went a little bit insane that yeah. night. Yeah, I don't like Walt Disney. I think he used his name to steal everyone else's ideas. I think he sucks ass. We did but he, opinion, but I, yeah. Look, but this is the part I'm admitting. He took risks for the, you know, he put his fucking enterprise on the map by doing risky things. Mm. But now all Disney what... does is buy the rights to other safe things that already exist and have proven themselves. And then proceed to fucking ruin them. We're not getting a Deadpool 3, people. Get the fuck over it. It's gone. But that's, that's the Leader whole thing. Leader 2, god damn it. It was... Now I'm hurt. <laughs> the whole thing about Disney were they weren't like the other companies. And yeah, it was they, because, they did it was because the other companies had burnt them in the past. Hmm. If you listen to our Oswald episode, you hear all about the reasons that Walt hated Universal. Hmm. Like, I think that even came up in our Betty Boop episode. It comes like up old timey. I like that old timey cartoon politics is like a staple of this podcast. But that's but that's the whole thing. It was about, and we've been through other eras where, you know, the animators or things like that are given that little bit of thing. So Tarzan, you've got Deep Canvas. You've got like they're the pushing, Deep Canvas was wonderful. But you've got like Deep Canvas. You've got the, the programs that they rewrote for. Was um, Toy Story, you've got the programs that it's written for Tangled, for the new Frozen films, with things like as stupid as hair count. Like, yeah. They have this ability to push things, and it's not about coming out with the greatest film or like an exquisite masterpiece. It's being able to do something that people sit there and go, um, holy crap. Seems. <laughs> Thank you. I can't read a book at the same time. You're a delight. Continue. Um, it's it's the whole thing about showing people things that they haven't seen before, and you know it's a whole argument at the moment that um, there's only so many storylines, there's only so many plot things. So cool. If there's only so many storylines, how do you make your thing stand out? And it's by taking those risks and doing it differently to what people assume is going to happen. Um, and we're in this weird state of thing where, you know, Mulan should be out at the moment. It's not, which is fine. But, like, when that came out, everyone was initially really annoyed because we were getting another live-action remake. Yeah. Then they were really annoyed because it wasn't going to follow the film for once. They were taking out all of the musical bits. They were taking out characters. They were taking Mushu, out... the dude. Shit, there's only like seven characters in that whole fucking exactly. movie. We can't afford to lose this. However, people then came around because they were like, oh, hang on. They're actually doing something differently. They're actually paying tribute to the story. They're actually maybe creating something that could be good. And I mean, obviously the jury is still out because the film hasn't released. Yeah. And a lot of people are still in the stop recreating your own films because they're a safe bet camp. But that's the thing. Which again yes, is yes, what I'm saying. Yes, they have recreated it, but they haven't because it's not the film that they made. Then make a new film. Well, they have, technically. It's just got the same name. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'm not going to like it anyway. I haven't liked any of these. These weird live-action remakes. Yeah, but I'm just saying... My like, theory on Lion King is solid, though. You tell them, listeners. I'm not... Have my back. No. 
I'm not watching Lion King and I'm not admitting to the fact that it came out. Look, ladies and gentlemen, I was watching it on mute behind the counter at an electronic store and I thought to myself, this movie would have been better if it had no voice acting and it was just narrated by David Attenborough treating it exactly like a documentary. An animal planet Lion King. Come on. At least it'd be different. No? Just Fuck you, man. That's cool. I just don't <laughs> want to admit to the fact that they tried to make it. Alright, alright. It's an animated film! There is no live-action remake in that film. Okay, so... We've talked about the helmet. That's very passionately. <laughs> you want to talk about the dude in the helmet? He is attractive. Right. Okay, I'm taking a- that's not mine, I don't know what that is. What is this? I don't know. Oh, this is just an opinion about comic book movies that is halfway down a page due to an accident I've obviously made for it in my notes. I don't know, but I cool. printed out that page and I was like, I'm just gonna hold on to this because I don't know what it is. Oh, yeah, I had it tucked to the bottom of my page and then we added to my page. Okay. <laughs> I'm fucking stupid. So let's- let's discuss cast, shall yeah, we? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> now that we've derailed ourselves for the third time today. That's all I do, baby. Um, you have Cliff, who is Cliff played C. by Cliff. Bill Campbell. Mm-hmm. Very attractive. You had Jennifer Connelly as Jenny. Or Betty Page, if you want to be honest about it. Right. Yep. Um, you would know her from Alita. Yeah, I know her from Alita. She's in heaps of stuff. You also know her from Hulk. Not the good ones. Yeah, I, I like that she only appears in comic book Disney films that have that aren't technically part of the MCU. But then she fucking ruined it because she's the voice of the computer in Spider-Man's glasses, I think, in Homecoming. Okay. Um, you have. I'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure she's that now. Okay. You have Alan Arkin as PV. Toby. Yeah. Would I you like... like to talk about PV? Yeah. Just for a bit. Old Peabody had me scared. Alright. Why why were you afraid for Peavy? Because he's a delightful mentor character. Yeah. That's all it is. With a sick mustache. That means he's destined to be dead. That's the rule every fucking time. Ben Kenobi. Uncle Ben. Um Uh from Fairy Tale we just saw. Grey's mentor. Uh Uncle Ben another time. Is he dead yet? Have we seen him die in the in the Tom Holland universe? Um, I don't even know if it was in the tunnel. Well, he's dead too. All mentors die. Yeah. And he was a delightful dude. And we see him, like, in danger a lot in this film. All mentors die, except for PV. Yeah, except for this one guy, which is good. Good for him. Good yeah, for yeah um, Jennifer Connelly voices the suit in the Spider-Man movies now. Okay. That's, that's good then. But they're mixed. They're not technically a Marvel Disney property either, are they? No. Hmm. So she's she's why it's complicated. She's a curse. <laughs> All right. So don't don't put Jennifer Connelly into your superhero film. Oh no! Alita's technically owned by Disney, and that's gone too. Okay, Timothy. God Dalton. damn it! <laughs> Timothy Dalton as superstar Neville Sinclair. Yeah, he is uh, Errol Flynn. Which there was a rumor he was a Nazi spy in the olden days, and to make reference to that in the original Rocketeer comic is just a reference to those days yeah they couldn't slander a man in film so now he's neville sinclair yeah. a villain named neville i don't ever want to really drink that in paul sorabino 
who you know as every mob guy ever. Yeah. Plays just, mob boss just Eddie Google Valentine. Him. Eddie Valentine. So close to Eddie Valiant that it was confusing sometimes for me to Google. <laughs> it's because I'm fucking dumb. Um, Terry O'Quinn as Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes actually got to keep in this movie. Surprisingly, Howard Hughes has been in a lot of films that I've watched recently that are set, filmed today, set around that time. Yeah, I just, I like that he, like, Betty Page had to go, obviously, because she's a sexy dominatrix model. Well, also, who ended up quitting they... it because she realized all her fan base was pervs and she went back to church. Yeah. Um, and Errol Flynn obviously had to go, but Howard Hughes is like, Phew, no one slanders me, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Tiny Ron Taylor. Yeah. Who, we, we just were calling him the giant. His, but his actual name was Lothar or Good Old Boy. Yeah, they had this giant monstrous man in this film with an entire face prosthetic. He was very, like, uncanny valley. I hated it. It's, it it's was, not his fault. It, it grossed me the fuck out. Um, that's our main cast. Yeah, there's a little main details right it's, there. This film is kind of weird because there are, like, lots of people. Most of them don't have names. Which is... And most like of them I, aren't important. It, like, the original basis was, you know, only character actors in the black and white original plan. Yeah. And they tried to keep it that way. Which I always try to do. With, like, any time I'm trying to cast... Like, when we fan cast back then, yeah. I always want, like, someone fresh. But um, they had a lot of arguments to get that. Yeah. Um, they wanted lots of people um, to play Cliff Secord. Yeah. Um, like, the main dudes working on the show wanted him, because he, he read it, and he, like, got that weird Derby haircut going into the interviews, because he sort of became a fan while, you know, thumbing through for the role. Yeah. And they were like, come with us, and they sort of held on to him for a long time. Um, some of the other ones that they wanted were like Kurt Russell. Ew. Bill Paxton. Mm. Emilio Estevez. Oh, I see that. Kevin Costner. No. The worst father of Superman. Yeah. Mm. Let this tornado kill me. It's It'll be funny. Mm. Um, yeah, they wanted like... Big names. Big, but also, like, middle-aged at the time. Well, I suppose that's what you've got in Indiana Jones. I guess. And that's what they're trying to sell it as. It's an Indiana Jones film. Right, so we we need that guy. Yeah, I don't... I, I like the dude. Like, you, you only say he's hot, but I think he's just good for the rock. No, he's... But I think that's why I find him attractive. Because you feel like a glove. Yeah. yeah. Like, he... he is a very believable character for the events that take place in the film. Hmm. I'm not, he's not, like, at no point do you see him topless or anything. Like, no, he's, no, no. It's, it's not like a sexual hot. It's a, he hits the right buttons for the role. He's a swashbuckling rogue almost. Yeah. I mean, he's a stunt plane dead also. And, and that's the thing. Like, he he's believable in his role. Um, so we should probably jump into the film. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm I'm happy. Okay. So you have a flyer team testing their plane. Yeah. Is basically the opener for the film. Mm. It's also basically the opener for, like, the Greenland movies, to a point. Kind 
things. You know, dude playing with dangerous aircraft, specifically dangerous planes, like not just standard planes, but dangerously, you know, planes, finds comic book technology that makes him better than average men. Mm. Um, but while you've got, like, them testing their plane, you've also got a, a mobster and an FBI car chase taking place like you acres over. No, they explain it as it goes. They do, but in, in the opening, you, you've you just got some weird car chase going on with a Tommy gun. Yeah, so every, you assume it's a mobster. Everyone looks like a Who Framed Roger Rabbit extra. Yeah. Um, There was a short originally planned for the start of this. You know like you know how Disney used to do their shorts? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do it. Um, and it was going to be a Who Framed Roger Rabbit cut. Ooh. You know how... Remember they it did would, like three or four fitting. of those? Yeah. Yeah, um, they, they ran out of time. They didn't bother with it. Um, but <laughs> there's another trivia for you. So, the FBI car chase is really weird hmm. because um, the mobster manages to get away from the FBI. He goes and parks in the flight garage for a bit. I mean, yeah, it's in the field where Tom they're around. Hmm. And then the police catch up to him and he just... Pretends that nothing ever happened. It's not Tom Fuller. The old switcheroo has proven itself again and again, sir. Okay. So he swaps the jetpack out for a vacuum before he gets arrested. Just to no, he, dri- the- he drives into the plane. Oh, yeah, The yeah, plane he- takes out the FBI agents. Holy shit. How many then, gas trucks were in the wrong place in this movie? Truck. That happened, like, multiple times that there is just a gas truck in a clearing. Far away from everything else specifically to explode. I will, I will say... There are some callbacks that happen throughout this, so I've missed part of it. Hmm. Um, Cliff has this thing where he chews a particular brand of gum and it always sticks it to whatever he's flying. Hmm. Apparently that was like like a thing. That's not just him. I don't know. I can't prove that. um, During this initial test flight, PV takes the gum off the plane. Yeah, and then shit goes wrong. And so the two of them, well... Cliff doesn't realise, but Peavy has now joined the club of the gum is what saves him from falling out of the sky. Yeah, it's so it's, a, it's a backwards the, foreshadow, isn't the it? The gum is a thing. You have because he fucks with the gum before it proves that the gum is a lucky charm. It's the most. It's a weird backwards one. You have the fuel tankers compl- like regularly exploding. Um, like there's just like random callbacks throughout the film where you're like. Why did that happen more than once? It's, it's callback stuff. It's it's great, but at the same time, you're like, okay. Um, I've never. I, I don't know the the chewing gum stereotype, but I, for, for the record, listeners, I have seen a man accidentally sew hot sauce into the inside of an airplane. Yes, <laughs> that can be confirmed. <laughs> I I was for some reason my brain went like. Stitching packets of hot sauce to the bottom of somebody's socks. <laughs> Which is funny <laughs> then, too. And then you inserted an airplane and I was like, How, why were the socks in the airplane? Wait, I put the socks there. Toby didn't put the socks. Like, it took me a real second there to oh work out what was my train of thought and what was your train you of thought. You fanfictioned a sentence as you were hearing it. Yeah. I hope you realised that's what you did. So, Monster takes out the plane, the... Um, Gas tanker and a vacuum cleaner, which we don't know is a vacuum cleaner yet. Yeah, which has set in motion literally everything, like Cliff and his company 
going to run out of business and some shady, not the mob guys, but looks like a mob guy wanting to sell their property off to other people and yep. them having to find a way to prove themselves with a perhaps a jetpack they may have found lying around. Oh, well, getting into that. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm just um, saying, for, for like an opening scene, it... It kicks in, It kicks almost every subplot off, except for oh yeah, even Neville because he was the one who hired the mob. Exactly. That is a good, well-rounded opener. It it is. It it you can, starts. You can off, tell they were working on this script for almost a decade. But that's the thing. It starts off with simple enough that you can follow exactly what's going on, but you can watch the dominoes fall as it goes along. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a good movie for that. There is also a lot of plain you know, um, memorabilia and tribute and stuff throughout yeah, this. Yeah, do not bother with the IMDb because it'll only tell you what type of planes are in this movie. So... They're very caught up on that. They have a plane that technically is okay to fly. It's a very specifically dangerous one. Yes. Like, all of its nicknames are the Widowmaker, the Coffin Box. The Cheese Strap. Exactly. No. No. <laughs> That's not a thing and you just... <laughs> We're tired, you and said I'm just... that, and I just literally my brain froze, <laughs> and I was like, "Sure, why not?" I love that. I, I love the how hard that The two that I said were actual real ones. You named all the ones I could think of, so I made one up. I'm sorry, dude. I, I was about to be Clearly, I'm not doing okay tonight. Okay, um, it's not that we're bored with the movie. The movie is like solid as fuck. We're just exhausted. While he's convincing Peepy that he can fly in this other plane, mm-hmm. um, they happen upon the rocket. Um, yeah, they find it stashed in the garage. Cliff basically is like, rather than you know having to play a clown at the upcoming air show, I'm just going to steal this rocket pack and make some money. Yeah, mm. that's what he decides he's going to do. No, because he only gets in the jetpack to save his buddy who's in the shitty plane. No, because remember, PV is immediately like, this is what the FBI were here for, we need to hand it in. And he's like, we could, or I could use it once or twice, we could make enough money to build a new plane, Mm. and then I'll give it back. Which is the other pothole that comes up throughout the entire film, because he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll give it back. But. But in five minutes. Um... I know you're going over rough subplots, but I do love the scene where they want to test out this jetpack, so they steal a statue from a nearby, from like the local flight school, and just strap it to a statue and just like launch it in a field. Well, like there's something kind of rednecky delight about it. Yeah. <laughs> Vandalism, baby. Um. So the mobsters work out that the jetpack has been left at the um, airfield and so they are basically they head out to the airfield it happens that there is an air show on um, Cliff is supposed to play like a clown pulling off random tricks at the air show Yeah. however he turns up five minutes late and so like an old World War One pilot. Yeah, one, gets of, up the, in his one of his old buddies is like, I'll take the fall. Yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll make it so that you guys can still have money, but it's it's all good. I've got your backs, friends. Um, 
and we learn that the FBI and the mobsters and someone else all want the jetpack mm-hmm. because we don't really see all of their reasoning. No, they reveal it later. Yeah, it's, they, they it's, a, it's kind of a slow burn, but yeah. we can see that there's multiple parties after the jetpack and PV and Cliff have a number of really great conversations about the fact that, um, you know, they there's nothing that's ever been like this before and clearly it's some like basically magical mythical thing that is the answer to everyone's problems yeah um so we see throughout the film the three different parties all trying to get a hold of the jetpack um where while you've got cliff who is trying to use it for good but it's kind of for his own good, so at the same time it's not really good, but he, he's a donor for his team and the boys, so. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend gets mad at him because he doesn't tell her that he blew up a plane. That's yeah. And so he goes to her to try and, like, give her the news that he found at first. At which point Sinclair, because she's a movie star, of course, mm-hmm. Sinclair hears that they have the jetpack and immediately, like, tries to hot tamale Jenny yep. in order to get to the jetpack. Yeah. Um, and he, he lays it on really thick. Like, oh, yeah. In that big old-timey hair, too. Yeah. Not that he has it in the whole film, but he's dressed like a... It's like Robin Hood. Yeah, he's a very Zorro-looking motherfucker. Yeah. In the, in the movie they're filming together. Um, so he, like, invites her out to the South Sea Club. Oh, that, and, that beachy you know, seafood restaurant. Yeah. And it's very, like, look at me, I'm the big Hollywood star, and we can start dancing, and the band will start up because we're dancing. Because I'm hot shit. We can, we can have whatever food we want. At this point... Cliff has put together the fact that, um, you know, the mobsters and Sinclair are working together and they're only after Jenny because she's connected to him. We find this out because they raid and beat up, like, the old fly team at the Bulldog. Yeah, the the set pieces in this movie are pretty great. They're pretty awesome. There's a bulldog restaurant where all the, like, flight dudes hang out at. Yeah, it's near it, the field. And it looks like a big, ugly-ass bulldog. It sucks. It's, but it's, it's pretty, pretty great. great. It sucks, but it's great. It's it's very old-timey, like, diner. Yeah. But in a giant dog. Yeah. So, Sinclair goes to... Or Cliff goes to free Jenny from Sinclair. Um, and they're, like... It's a whole scene of shenanigans as... They, he's trying to get Jenny out while everyone is trying to come after Cliff, who then ends up putting on the suit and just like destroying the crap out of this fancy ass restaurant. Yeah, it's it's like that because it is an origin story. It's that showy offy. Here's the guy. He, he he's very like open. It's not rumblings and rumors anymore about a flying man saving one pilot. Yeah. He really doesn't do a lot. Like, he, he saves one dude. Yeah. That's kind of it. Old-timey things didn't have to try as hard, man. We've been over this. Frankenstein 
didn't kill anyone. He just let a, a dumb child drown. That's and then the Invisible Man killed, like, over 100 people, so we'll move on. Um, however, Jenny runs back in trying to save Cliff, ends up getting drugged by Sinclair and finding out he's an Nazi. Yeah. Because she stumbles into his hidden... Nazi cave. Wardrobe, the yeah. Nazi cave. Um, also, he's very calm about drugging women. Clearly has practice in it. It just reminds me of the old stupid soundbite um, that I have saved on my YouTube. It's like, you know, the dude swears and he's like, yeah, that's a pretty harsh language. He goes, I got some harsher things here. Chloroform. <laughs> um, I also like her in the Nazi cave when she finds the radio and she's like, hey, help, I've been kidnapped by a jerk off. And then the dude on the other line is like, hello, you've reached Nazi hotline. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, a Nazi. <laughs> so... Cliff gets basically brought in by the FBI, who take him to Howard Hughes. Who developed the rocket pack. PV, you know, breaks down that he is the man that invented the rocket pack. Again, the guy's kicking up Peabody at gunpoint. Kind of made me think he's fucked. Yes. (laughs) Why do they risk our friends so much? Or when they shoot up his house. There are multiple times that Peabody Or when I misunderstood and I thought he was the one getting in the dangerous plane, not the old guy, but that was... It was me. No, well, like... I figured it out when he wasn't in the plane. When when the mobsters and that realise that PV and Cliff have the thing, they break into their house, it gets shot up by the FBI. They manage to sneak out, run away to the Bulldog Cafe, which we spoke of earlier. Yeah. This, while this Cliff, good while Cliff runs off to the whole South Sea scene, yeah. the FBI break in and just start shooting the place up. Mm. Like, there's a perfect scene of PV getting shot in the attic... There is then a perfect scene of Cliff finding the body in the attic. But that's not how it plays. However, when the FBI pick him up and take him off to Howard Hughes, they're like, no, he's perfectly fine. We didn't shoot him at all. Yeah, they, they were fucking with me on purpose. Man. Constantly. The whole way through the film. Yeah. Um. However, Cliff manages to escape this entire thing. And he's like, look, I understand that there's Nazis involved, but my girlfriend's with them. Mm-hmm. So I have to go and fix it. We find out... Like, Cliff is such a good guy. He manages to work with the FBI, turn the mob against Sinclair because he's a Nazi, which the mob immediately are like, look, we understand that we were on the same team and you were paying us and it was all great, but we're American. We we get patriotic as shit. Yeah, there's... You get your punk ass out of here. Yeah, there's a great moment, which is based on actual history. Where mobsters hate Nazis. Yeah. Um, a lot of, like, mobs in those days would, like, report Nazi activity to the FBI. Yeah. Which I is love great. It. Um, we spoke about Peabody getting grabbed at gunpoint and then us cutting away. Can, can I, uh, look, I've been trying really hard to be a nice person. PV. I'm sure his name. I'm certain that was his nickname, and I see his name is Peabody like twice in that fucking film. I'm certain. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it while you come out with your fact. Um, does Merrick ever get referenced in the Buffy television series? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. I've only watched it once. It's based on the Buffy film, right? I've never seen the film. Mmm. Old dead mentor for Buffy. Everyone has a dead mentor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the little 
the little hostage dude helps Iron Man build his Iron Man suit in Iron Man. Are, are you just back on a thing about... I am. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, the the um, the mobsters tell him to get out of here, and he gets out of here in the most, you know, German way possible. Zeppelin, baby. Giant Zeppelin. I will give it to you. His full name is AP Body. Diana's combat trainer in the Wonder Woman film. I just told you you were right and you're ignoring me. I'm still thinking about all these dead mentors. Okay. <laughs> this we, 99% of mentors are dead. We get, we get a whole fight scene on the Zeppelin. Yeah, it's pretty great. On the roof of the Zeppelin, in the cab of the Zeppelin, oh, in the man. cab of the Zeppelin, and then again on the roof of the How Zeppelin. How showy are the fucking set pieces? Do you remember that cringy moment when Spider-Man specifically web swings and lands on a building in front of the American flag and it's so fucking gay? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not American, so I don't find it patriotic. Patriotism is usually an Australian reason to be racist. Yeah. So, so when I see it in the movies, I'm like, oof. So you've got Rocketeer on the LA Observatory building. I don't know what it's Griffith called. Observatory. Boom, he's on there and there's a flag behind him. And they're like, look at that mighty man holding a German pistol. And then he rockets up and there's a giant fucking Nazi flag with him just like... You know, like, doing that... Across the LA skyline. Doing that, you know, that sneaky walk past it. Yeah. There's some, like, pretty flag work in a brief five-minute period. Yeah. It looks cool. It's a cool-looking movie. It is. It is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, until... Oh, so, throw back to our gun. When all of the bullets are going off, there's a giant hole in the rocket pack... Again, Which PV, PV, PV yeah. just manages to, you know, put some gum over it. Not a problem. Yeah. Second that the gum is removed, though, it starts leaking fuel like a crazy person and blows up not only Sinclair, but the entire Zeppelin. The whole town. The giant. And the, and land, the land part, part of, of Hollywood. Hollywood. I love that it used to say Hollywood land to sell like a fucking real estate area. Yeah. And then once no one cared about the real estate and Hollywood became Hollywood, they just like kicked over the land sign. But then any time a period piece does a film, they kick over the land part. Like every time. It's true. Where is the Hollywood D from Cool World? The Hollywood (laughs) D. I was going to say, I can give you some Hollywood D. That's dumb, you're not from Hollywood. Yeah, I love that the land in Hollywood land is one of the most dangerous places to be in a film. Because it's going to get destroyed. Yeah. If it's there, it's not there at the end. It's, it's good because it's like the the Twin Towers in oh, Jesus New Christ. York and the land sign in Hollywood. Yeah. They're it's super iconic, but never there for long. Mm. Uh, no, I wasn't making a racist terrorist joke. Good. <laughs> that, was, that was actually a thing. Yeah. Um... When we when we get back to ground and everything sorted out, Howard Hughes is totally cool with the idea that the Rocketeer costume suit got blown to smithereens. And as a thank you for blowing no, up he the didn't thing like that the he jetpack. tried the hardest to make, he hated it because like he lost men, he he lost Mason. test pilots yeah. building it for the fucking government. Yeah, for the war effort. Yeah. 
Well, we see, and that's the thing. Like, we see that sweet German of, propaganda film. A lot of big inventors, and this is more so in film, I haven't looked into it in actual history. Want to make a joke? Hate, no, but hate the idea of their inventions being used for, like, capital gain. Yeah. Because no one wants to be. No one wants to raise their hand and be like, "Yo, those gas chambers in WW two. But no, but I, I'm pointing at myself in my impression, listeners. But. but but that's the whole thing. Like you've got, we see Tony Stark do it. We see his Howard Stark do it. We see Howard Hughes do it. We see. I'm sure scientists don't want to be associated with like Joseph Mengele and shit. Like, well, let's be honest. But, why would you? But that's the thing. Like, I find it because actual historical. A lot of the German scientists that... Were bored had, by America. Yeah. The, a lot of them that, you know, they felt bad about what they had managed to create in Germany. Yeah, there's all those famous atom bomb o- quotes Exactly. Well. They ended up switching over to the American side and they were like, look, we screwed up. We need to fix it. And to fix it, we're going to blow shit up. Yep. And boy, did they. Counterintuitive. Um... And he ends up being totally cool with it, and he gives Cliff and Peavy a replacement an amazing plane. race plane. Yeah, that it's the one that got damaged at the start. It's his one. He's like, "Here, I got a spare." Like, yeah, yeah, it's great. And then Peavy's like, "Hey, I also we fucking pickpocketed the blueprints for this jetpack. We'll fix it." No, Jenny gives them. Yeah, because Jenny stole them from the Nazis. Yeah. Um, because Neville had it at some point. Well. It's throughout the film. It's a whole thing about the fact that Peavy is the greatest engineer ever. Hmm. And when they first try out the jetpack, like the trainer are, in Rocky Three, when they first try like try out the jetpack, there are a few problems with it. Yeah, yeah the statue. So Peavy has been sitting there for like you know a week drawing up blueprints and working out how to fix it and things like that. Yeah, and, like, he does make small changes throughout it because, like, he changes the throttle, he changes the insta-kill, he, he changes... He gave it a rotor. He did. Yeah, just like um, Tadashi did in Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. Another mentor for Disney film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. But no, so Jenny gives him the plans that she found in the perfect, like... What about Master Erekis in Kingdom Hearts? Do you care about who the fuck that is? I don't know who that is. I do like PV's picture on... The Disney wiki. It's really close. It's just a super, super zoomed in still frame that he's obviously not the main fucking character in. Great. The Great Deku Tree in Legends of Zelda. Do you reckon we're good to go? Are we safe? For all those listening, um, our producer's cat will spend days burying turds in that little box. Days. And I still haven't heard him get out yet, so I don't think it's over. Did he come out? I don't think he did. I'll go look for him. Hey. He's still in there, Carter. I think he's just stopped for a rest. Are you done? I don't know if he's in there or not. I found Misfit. Alright, cool. Let's, 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 we'll keep it. Okay. Well, 
Welcome back. I don't know. Um, you were talking. I was talking. Um, yeah, so she gives him, Peavy, the blueprints. And it's like the perfect, what we know now is just a wrap-up of, you know, hey, at least you can, like, keep furthering technology and stuff. Yeah, to continue into the another two movies of this trilogy, like Indiana Jones got, but then the movie didn't fucking do that great. Yeah. Ugh, that's, that hurts. But, like, it's an... Just it's, because of how it's hard these okay few rapper, guys but, worked yeah, it's, on it. It's pretty sad. Because it, it was just like, all the pieces are, have been put back in the box. We're ready for another adventure. Never again. Until recently, they did that weird Disney Junior show. Which is... The girl that's in it is his great granddaughter. We don't know if that's true. Yes, it is. We don't know. No, I've looked through the wiki. We don't know because Cliff Seaford is not the guy's name. They got his fucking name wrong. No, it's Cliff Seacord. Yeah, it's not Cliff in that show. No, it it is. Yeah. He's the great grandfather. She got that from someone else. No, look. I'm going to go through it. She she got got through it. Her grandpa, Ambrose, who is his son. Ah. I went through the thing because I knew you were going to go through this and tell me that I didn't know what I was talking about. You worked harder at this than I did. I just watched like a minute and I'm like, who's this? Fuck off. Hang on, I will find Kit. Doc McStuffins looking motherfucker. Uh, where is Kit? Okay. Kit Seacord. Mm-hmm. Who becomes, um, the Rocketeer. Also known as Kitten. Her great-grandfather is Cliff Seacord. Okay. He has the son Ambrose Seacord. Ambrose gives Kit the thing. Alright. So, ha! Good work, buddy. But at the same time, less hot because it's sad. Yeah, this is what we're getting instead of a trilogy. Yeah, just give us the other two films. It's it's not too late. Yeah. Um, did you have any final thoughts or inclinations on not about the movie as a whole it's a good movie and i recommend it give it a go it's on disney plus it's not hard to find i feel like it's such a yeah um but i love comic book movies that have nothing to do with marvel or dc like i feel like they're calmer waters there's no screaming masses arguing about what continuity is what which batman actor could beat up another batman actor Mm mm-hmm like, no one is passionate about Barb Wire, the film, or Monkey Bone, the film. I mean, this is obviously a better example than those. But they're just, they're so nice and chilled. Yeah. No, I think it's it's very nice. Hmm. Um, it's... Look, I'm not surprised that I enjoyed it, because it's way my aesthetic. Oh, yeah. And it's a fun film. Now that I, like, know about it, yeah, I'm bummed. But at the same time, I'm not. Because it kind of feels nice that it's, it hasn't been, like, it had this shitty history and it didn't let it bring it down. Yeah. So, I, I like it. I like that it's like a little untouched gem for people. That's the thing. I, I totally say re- I recommend it as like a do it for the boys. Yep. In honor of people who actually cared about comic books. 
It's very fucking rare these days. No, I I think it's it's a really good, enjoyable film. Yeah. It's got a nice aesthetic. It's got good acting in it. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. Alright, homework time. So, I got caught up pretty hard on that fucking helmet shit. Yeah. Made me very angry. Apparently. So, I wanted to know if there's any other, like, really stupid changes to beloved characters that really annoyed you. Is there anything like that for you? Off the top of my head. I mean, we could pause it. <laughs> Starting with Black Canary. What about it? Whoever they have playing her in Birds of Prey is not the Black Canary. Ah, but Margot Robbie would not continue to produce or star in a Harley Quinn sequel if there was another pretty blonde white girl in it. Weirdly, which just makes her seem bad by wanting that. Look, I Black Canary is a good character. Just, I like that her being in it made like gave me the clue that I was originally the penguin, and then I ended up being right though. Yeah, that was pretty. Well, I'm so proud of that. Mm. If you want to talk about Birds of Prey characters, look no further than Harley Quinn. Well, that's true. Oof. What they did in the New Fifty Two was spiraled out of control, and we're still dealing with the repercussions. Yeah, and that's that's what I mean, like. People just not getting a character and making weird changes for no reason. This I mean that's the entire part of the child of Harley is the, the childishness. Moment. Like, you know, she she didn't dress provocatively. She didn't like she didn't drink alcohol or smoke. She was always like having like it was it was almost comical she'd be drinking a grape soda around all these like hardened thugs. Yeah. You know? Like, we've covered the shit out of this in our Rise and Fall episodes of Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. But that is still one of the most prime examples of, let's just let's just make her shirt more low-card, and that should sell books. That'll do it. I mean, you've also got a lot of films that have done well with things that movie execs were like, no, nah, you need to change that. Like, I know you're not a fan of Breakfast Club, but that film was purely made... By a guy that made teen romances to be like, no, fuck you. I'm not making a teen film that is formulaic. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it can go either way. It doesn't usually, but. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that time Superman became like a weird white and blue electric character <laughs> instead of Superman? We can talk about that if you. That's that's back. all there is to it. It was very that was a dumb change. As one thing, like DC has legacy. Yeah. Their characters have stood such a test of time, and you know why? Because they're probably fucking good. If they sucked us, they wouldn't have made it through a year. They would have fell with the millions of comic book characters that died at the end of the Golden Age when, like, the war ended. Yeah. But they continued, and they've continued for. 80 years now. At least. But obviously, we know what we're talking about more than the fans and the original creators, so let's put the underpants on the inside. Let's not reference books that aren't Dark Knight Returns. Let's uh, make sure Batman is completely gritty, angry, and horrible to everyone instead of a caring detective who doesn't want the tragedy that he went through to happen to anyone else ever again. 
perfectly calling back to our um, episode from, I think, not last week, the week before, of Zatanna, where, you know, it's it's not a fact of, you know, he doesn't want to get attached to her. It's a, I have to put my priorities in line. And um, right now, my priorities aren't taking care of myself. You know one of my favourite classic books is Kingdom Come. Yes. Right? What's the first thing Batman does in the aftermath of the final events of that movie? He fucking... What's the word? He gutters. He just guts Wayne Manor. Yeah. Turns it into a refuge hospital for all the survivors. Yeah. That's the first move he makes. But that's, that's the thing. The re- the only reason Batman is doing what he's doing... He looks like a grumpy he dude. Loves Gotham. Yeah. He's a grumpy dude. He liked to do a punch. But there's way more to it than that. Stop reading Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and thinking that's the fucking... That's it. That's all you but, need. And that's the thing. We've had so many things like... Heart, every, baby. Everyone, Heart. Everyone raves about Titans. I'm not saying it's a bad show. Fuck Batman. Oh yeah. my gosh. Could they please like hate on him anyway? And I understand that's the period that Dick is going through. Like, it is that change out of, hang on a second maybe this isn't what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. I mean, we're... But but Bruce puts him in the position where he doesn't want to spend his life doing what Bruce is doing. Mm. Like, it's it's not a sudden realisation of, oh, I'm not a bad guy and he is. It's literally Bruce being like, you can't do this anymore. You need to go and actually, like, man up. It's, I wasn't able to man up. You need to. Yeah. That's, um, that's the whole reason that Dick gets kicked out of, or, you know, that all of that comes to a head. There are other things that play into it, but it's literally Bruce being like, what are you, what are you doing next? It is. Yes. Sometimes. I mean, there's a million different Nightwing origins, you know, that come from him leaving Robin. You got the animated series version about, like, what... About Batgirl. Yeah. And him punching a man in front of his child. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck, Batman? Um, I know we're, da- we're teetering dangerously into a, a f- like free period here. Yes. But I have been reading the Chuck Dixon Nightwing. Mm. And there is a part in that when, you know, Batman comes to check on Nightwing. He's, Nightwing's like bitter and constantly waiting for him to be like, you're not doing a good enough job. Come home and, you know. You just you can't Pull handle back it. In line, yeah. Exactly, and it never comes. You know, yeah, but at one point, Nightwing's like, like this place is as important to me as Gotham. Not that I care about this place, but I don't care about Gotham. Yeah, and Batman's like, really? Like after, I mean, it's important to him. You know, he's like, really, and he's like, that's the place I showed up to when I was like ten, and my parents died in it. I don't really give a fuck. Yeah. And Batman's like, oh, I didn't realize you felt that way. And he, like, leaves all, like, sad. Because Gotham... He cares. Gotham that's what we're saying. everything to you. It's his baby. But, but that's and then Nightwing's the like, I don't care. And he's like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll see you later. Bruce, Bruce was <laughs> raised by Gotham. Yeah. I, I know that I like to talk Alfred up, you know, greatly. And I don't know why you just did, like, a Nazi salute there. It's just throwing hands, because I know you I, 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 I was ready for you to go yeah. completely into... I'm just going to talk about Alfred for 20 minutes. No, I like the fact... You, you're like, I will celebrate throwing arms in the air. 
only throws one off. I'm leaning on the other one, ladies and gentlemen. I need a bit for other things. I'm not just going to throw my walk, my wheelchair away in celebration. Alright? You know what I'm saying? Look, I love an Alfred. Particularly when he draws you a ball. Hmm. Or when he pulls out a shotgun and is like, hey, get out of the manor. That's but this, so that's the thing. They, they were raised by Gotham. Mm. And they have that different... And to pull our tangent back in, that's a lot of the shit that's missing. Yeah. Is the heart and the detective skills. And, all but, that and that's, but that's the thing. Even across the board, you need to do things because you're passionate about it. Clearly, these guys were passionate about Rocketeer and about, you know, bringing him out into the movie light. Hmm. Um, the big screen, I think, is what you're looking for. I, I was trying to, you know, spotlight comment. Yeah. But, but you're right, though. These guys... Put a lot of heart and soul into this. But that's how things should be for everything. That's, yeah, like, definitely. we've spoken about the fact that of Deep Campus and that. They sat there and we went, this movie's really good. We could make it better, but we need to make something to make it better. And so they just made it. Yeah, they build technology to boost up that Tarzan movie. Exactly. Which I don't give a shit because I can't stand Phil Collins. But it ended up being used in Treasure Planet, which is one of my favorite Disney movies. But, but and then they sabotaged it because it was too expensive to make. Let's just make everything CG. Brave, ladies and gentlemen. Frozen. A, a different example. I don't know. What else have they made recently? But that's but that's what I'm getting at, is the fact of... Onward. That's what we just you, watched. I'm sorry. If you are passionate about something and you think that that something deserves to be heard... You need to stick with it. You need to, like... Here's your motivational speech of the Power... Podcast. Of the PowerPoint presentation. The PowerPoint presentation. Can you tell that I'm a distant Ed at the moment? No face-to-face. Yep. Um, you, you need to, like... Don't give up on stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying that pursue it, like, 110% always... But don't let it, like, sit in a drawer. But also minutes. fight the establishment that stand in your way. Yeah. Yeah, give them. Hiya! Start a fire. We didn't start a fire. You know, like, if you want to have a... I don't worry. I was going to talk about the Disney party where the dude crashed a horse into a pool. That's <laughs> one of my fucking favourites. It is. And it's a Disney episode. So... Look. <laughs> so so fucking... Once, once, you, once you succeed, don't bother... Rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Just crash a horse into a pool. Just crash that we'll, horse, we'll baby. We'll hear about it. Mm, that's what I'm talking about. Horse riots. Actually, Beautiful. Actually, there's been horse riots in history. Well, I'm going to Google that, but first I'm going to sign off. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Show us you are listening. Or, if you are listening, I mean crash shit. crash a horse into a pool. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. We're yeah. sorry. Yeah. We get distracted. We get tired. The world um, is a weird place. But the bottom line is watch the movie. It's good. Yep. And it's a simpler time before viruses. <laughs> um, I've been Tobit Apollo. It's a decent origin. Mm. You don't get a lot of those. Yeah. Remember we were discussing this, the original Spider-Man movie. Yeah, it's okay. pretty great. The Sam Raimi one. Yeah. But you go back and look at the timestamps. It's like an hour and a half of origin and then a little bit of Green Goblin at the end. It is not the way you remember it. I've been joined by my producer, Kirsty. Hello. For some reason, I was going to hear your boy just do good here, but I am not just do good. I am pretty bad. All right. Good um, night. Yeah, take care, everyone. Class dismissed. At, at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. <laughs>
Good. 